welcome to the Holistic You podcast. I'm your host, James Wyler. The purpose of this podcast is to teach you the things you didn't get taught in school, to teach you the things your parents didn't teach you about living a balanced life, from career through to spirituality, knowledge through to inspiration, exercise through to wealth, and nutrition through to relationships. We help inspire you with the confidence for your own personal development journey. Welcome back, guys. Today, we have Dr. Ohm, and uh, Dr. Ohm has a podcast called Eggs Meet Sperm, which is very fitting because Dr. Ohm is a fertility expert. Now, the reason I wanted to get Dr. Ohm on today is just as an anecdote, I was having dinner with some friends recently and my girlfriend, and my friends wanted to and are thinking about having a baby. And my girlfriend brought up an example of someone she knows who was trying really hard to have a baby and it it was going on for about a year and they were unsuccessful. And she gave this example of the husband as part of that partnership. He actually went to the gym and when he did his gym sessions, he used to have a sauna. And apparently, and obviously Dr. Omi could add more here, when you do have a sauna, it heats up your core body temperature and heats up the crown jewels which need to do the work uh, to obviously fertilize the egg and because of this the sperm was obviously ineffective and the, the core reason for them not falling pregnant but who, who's to know that you know who's to know that so I thought what a good opportunity um, to get someone on to talk to us about the things that we need to know the things we don't get taught about all things fertility so welcome Dr. Ohm. Thanks for having me James I'm glad to be here. So can you just talk to us a little bit about how you actually got into this field, sort of what inspired you to get into this field? <laughs> uh, so I am a naturopathic doctor by training, which in the U.S. is is like four years of medical school, post-grad, all that kind of stuff. And I was pretty specialized in women's health already. And it was about five years into being a doctor that I found myself married to this man who I pretty much kept like we weren't in a good place, yet he kept saying, let's have a baby, let's have a baby, let's have a baby. And literally every time he mentioned babies, my uterus would like do cartwheels. And I was like, (laughs) oh, God, that's probably not a good sign. So I started researching and I was like, what the heck? can I do for my fertility? Because even everything that I had learned in women's health, in medicine, is that our fertility is going to drop off of a cliff at 35. So I felt this like internal angst of if I leave this man and don't have a child, does that mean I'm giving up on motherhood? Like, will I ever have a child? So I had all these questions. And what I found in the process of my research is that actually most of what we've been told about fertility as women specifically is a lie. But equally, what men have been told about the opposite, theirs is like, like guys have been told, oh, your sperm are good forever. And you don't have to worry about it. Fertility is not a male issue. And yet that is also equally filled with lies. So really finding out that we were not really being educated about what we needed to know to empower our own bodies. 
So I started talking about it and I literally would just like talk to anyone that would listen of like, hey, you know, this is not actually true. And all of my friends were like, wait, what? Why have we never heard this before? So so then I was like, well, maybe this is what I need to be doing with my life. And women just kept coming and they were like, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for sharing. How do we have a child? Like maybe I decided to wait and my doc, I've had 32 year olds tell me their doctor said it was because of their age. Uh, so at this point, we're getting like more and more kind of insensitive to a certain extent. And then definitely by 40, women are like, oh, my God, I went to my doctor and they were pretty much like, I'll never have a child. So I think that there's this space where we're not really acknowledging what's truly going on under the surface and simultaneously like media doctors are OBGYNs, like the general message that we're getting is that fertility is a female issue driven by age. And I vehemently believe that both of those are wrong. <laughs> so that's what I got. Like, I'm just passionate about people having the power and choice in being able to dictate what they can do with their own lives. And I really believe that if couples choose to wait, that's their choice, but give them the knowledge, education and awareness to make that decision from a aligned place rather than one that comes out of fear. Wow, that's so powerful. And I feel like being I'm 33 at the moment, my partner at the moment is 28, but I've got, you know, a sister who's 31 and, you know, all these questions are being asked and, and there is a bit of fear, particularly there's peer pressure as well. Everyone that you see on social media is having children and that's great, obviously, if that's the choice they want to make at that point in time. Uh, but it feels like sometimes if you're not making that choice, you're potentially getting left behind. And like you said, it feels like the information that we are being told is that you have to have kids young or if you don't, then you'll it'll be quite problematic from a health point of view. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I I basically what I found in my research is that the 35 year old myth that came about not from science, but from religion in France, actually, you were just okay. saying you were in France. Um, yeah. There were churches in France that noticed that there were, this is back in the 1800s, so this is not even present time, it's the 1800s in France, they noticed, oh, women are not coming in to baptize their children after 35, so fertility must drop off of a cliff at 35. <laughs> How much sense does this make? Like, just tell this to any common sense person. And they're like, what? Are you serious? So literally any person that kind of puts this through their common sense filter is going to pause and be like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. So that really led me to like, okay, so if that's not true, then what does science tell us? Like, what's actually going on? So that led me to a whole set of different conclusions about what's actually going on with fertility, how much does age actually play a role, 
And if it's not totally aged, then what else? Like, how else do we figure out what's going on? And I think that there are some really great ways to figure out how much of a concern should this be? Where are we as each individual rather than a global, like, everyone's fertility dies at 35? Because that's also just doesn't make any sense. Um, So, yeah, that's... That's how I I kind of think about what is happening. And yeah, I I think we're going to get a lot into what what else can we do about it? What can we get into that is founded in some science? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can we go? Because we've got a lot of male listeners and for the female listeners, sorry if you guys already know this, but can you go back to the sort of basics and just explain the process of of fertility and the menstrual cycle, how it works, just a high level, big picture overview for us. Sure, absolutely. And honestly, like I've talked to thousands of women, even women are like, wait, what? How come I never learned this? So you're fine. Like guys, you're okay, because we actually know as little as you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Let's start from the foundation. On day one, that's the the first day that we have a menstrual cycle, and that continues anywhere from three to seven days in a healthy female. And then we will have a few, like a week or so, where the hormones are shifting and they're actually like recruiting follicles. That's basically like eggs in our ovaries that are going to develop and then what I call the queen follicle is like giving out the most signals of hormones and the brain says oh you're the queen okay and then the ovary like drops that egg and that's called ovulation so ovulation is really that like period it's legit like 12 max 24 hours where the egg is being released and is going to survive long enough to be fertilized. And that window is like 12 to 24 hours. After that, if the egg fertilized, it will implant and turn into a child, potentially. Or if there was no fertilization, then that egg disappears, the uterine lining still thickens, because the hormones are still being signaling that way, it will thicken and then shed. (laughs) So that shedding again goes back to day one. So that entire cycle can be anywhere from 26 to 32 days is considered relatively normal. And there are a lot of hormones that are signaling each part of that process. So, um, you know, like, a lot of women not understanding this or guys that are in relationships that are like, man, she's hormonal. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm a freaking soup of hormones, dude, all the time. <laughs> and and once we know what those hormones are and what actually, like I've never done a talk on this, but man, if you knew, if you as a male partner knew what hormones are present in which part of the cycle, I bet you could have like a really better experience in relationship because 
now you understand where she's at in her cycle, what's happening, and what's likely going to be the emotional output in that time. <laughs> yeah, some tips for us, yeah. gents. <laughs> yeah, that could be really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a really comprehensive explanation. So so thanks for uh, for that and for entertaining some of us um, gentlemen who maybe haven't explored this topic in such detail. So one of the, and this is probably the main reason I thought it would be good to get you on is because it seems these days a big focus of people is to, particularly women, and untraditionally, I should say, is now to have a career. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, completely understandable. Why not? So the question is, with people focusing more on their career and the implication of that, of having children later, I know we, we talked a little bit before about, you know, the myths around age being that, you know, cut off where you can't have children after it. But can you talk to us about what are the issues? Um, what are the risks if you do choose to have children later in life as opposed to earlier in life from a science point of view? I think there's a risk regardless. There's a risk if you're having a child at 18 versus 30 versus 40. There's always a risk. However, statistically, the risks of things like autism, chromosomal abnormalities, things like that, definitely higher rates over 40. And I want to preface that in the context of there's a lot of things that are preventable and shiftable as you age. So I like I, I'm always careful to not have the message be don't have children over 40. The message for me is really if you are 35 and over, you are doing extra preparation to have a child when you're ready. It doesn't mean not to do it. It doesn't mean, honestly, like we've helped hundreds of women over 40 have babies. And so far, I don't know of any who have had a child with uh, special needs. So I think that it's, of course, it's a small population, but I think the work that we do, we're looking at genetics, we're looking at diet, we're looking at nutritional status, we're looking at so many factors to make sure that we can support health, optimal health for both partners before conception, right? So that like six months prior to conception is crucial to optimize Again, I said both partners, not just the female, um, so that we can really support a healthy child. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the, um, the, the why, what I'm trying to work out is what's the why behind why it doesn't, um, why it's harder um, to have children um, later in life or perceived to, to, yeah. to be harder? Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's the question of for the ages. Like yeah. on some level, there is the, the, the understanding in Western medicine is, oh, it's your age. But from my side, it's like, what happens with age, right? Like I want to know what the nitty gritty is behind the surface. 
And I've kind of narrowed it down to a few things, all of which are in our control. We experience stress through our life. That's having a kind of detrimental effect on fertility. Like, hey, I went through trauma and now I have PTSD. Or it can be this as simple as like the day-to-day stress of driving to work, right? Like the longer you are in your body, the more stress you've been exposed to and the more impact that stress has had on some part of your body. So that's part one. Part two is we really have longer exposure to toxins and those toxins are literally everywhere in our environment. So if you count like 20 years of putting on, slathering on makeup and all the shit that women do to their bodies, or for guys, like I'm not leaving you out either, um, for guys, like if your habit is to drink water out of plastic bottles, 20 years of that versus 40 years of that, you're, you've accumulated more toxins, right? So unless you're actively getting rid of that crap from your body, it's getting put into your cells. And the impact of that is now it's either affected egg quality or sperm quality, depending on who the recipient is. So that's going to, that's having a cumulative effect. So stress, toxins, and then a depletion effect on your nutrients. So let's say a crappy diet in your 20s, you're like, yeah, I don't feel anything. This is okay. By the time you get to 30, your body's like, yeah, this is really not okay. Like, you know that sugar is not my friend or whatever it is. And then by the time you get to 40, like your body's really struggling to sustain because it doesn't have the high quality of nutrients that it needs. And the exposure to toxins has actually depleted the ability to absorb the nutrients from the food that you're eating. So now you're way more depleted and you have way more buildup than you can stand. And there's no like normalization, right? So between those three factors, you can really say you're going to have shot egg quality and shot sperm quality. Simple. And then you combine those two things to get the egg and sperm together and boom, you have a child with a disorder, you have kind of the struggles that people are experiencing with fertility. All of those are cumulative and don't just have to do with age, but also have to do with the impact of being in your body for that much longer. Well, that was such a good explanation. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I can actually really understand that. The next question I was going to ask you was why do women of advanced maternal age have fertility issues? But I mean, I think you've covered that off really well. This will be an interesting one. So is there an optimal fertility age for men and women? And if so, why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think... I think that optimal age is dependent on the individual and the couple that is having that child, right? For me, the optimal age was 38. That's when I chose to have my child and uh, along with my partner. <laughs> um, if I had had a child at, at 32 when I was going through all of my life stuff and like tried to get pregnant, I'm not even sure it would have happened. But if I had tried, 
I would feel like I did this child a disservice because I had a child with a partner that I really shouldn't have had a child with. And I truly believe in healthier families. Like my hope is always to prioritize the woman, the man and the child. It's not a positive pregnancy test. That's not the outcomes that we're aiming for. And our success is really not defined by that. So in our world, it's like, well, I want to make sure that this couple is going to be amazing parents to an awesome, healthy, beautiful child, right? And to do all three of those is, is like, to me, it makes the most sense because if you have a couple, and this has happened before, I had, I, I've had lots of couples that had issues, but one of them they literally seven hours in my office for their first appointment and they were going at each other's throats and I was sitting there the whole time like y'all sure you want to have a child together like (laughs) is this the type of relationship we need to bring a child into and the entire time I just kept asking the question of like is this really what you want is this really what you want? And the woman was like, I'm not sure it is. And the guy was like, I've been waiting seven years to have babies. You better start trying now. You know, like he's just done. He was like, I really want to have kids. And he knew that he really wanted to have kids. So I think part of that like emotional work is between the couple. And and I've had other couples that are like, go through the whole process and get to actually we don't want a kid anymore like we're good we want to have our life and we want to enjoy our life and we've decided not to have a child and that's okay too i think it's really about healthier humans and really creating this environment where we create a more beautiful planet because we have healthier people walking on that planet And that can't happen in the context of, you know, let's pump you full of hormones so you can get a positive pregnancy test. Like, I could care less about that. Um, Yeah. So I, I think the perfect time or the optimal time for fertility is the time that you are, you as an individual are in the mental and emotional space for that. Your partner is in the mental and emotional space and you guys have created the relationship that can support a healthy child. Yeah. And you've, you've done a really good job of explaining what can affect um, fertility, um, particularly with the, the myths around age. And, and to be fair, I don't think it's the way you've explained it to me. It's not a myth. It's explained by as you get older, just naturally lots of different things happen um, with the aging process, which, which, as I said, makes so much sense. So is there some practical tips that um, men and women can follow to have the best chance of being fertile? Yes, absolutely. So can I start with the guys not to do's first? Cause they are like yeah. so yeah, in yeah. my head right now. Okay. Absolutely. So th- I, I've been, Like, I really have wanted a platform to say this on. So this is great for all of you guys listening. Please, please, please tell your friends, tell every single guy, you know, first of all, 
Fertility is not a female issue. Please don't walk around with that idea. It's equally men and women. I don't care who has the hormone issues, who has the sperm issues. It doesn't matter. It's both people, always, unless you're a solo parent by choice. Second, please do not take testosterone shots. Do you know that those things kill your sperm? Do not take testosterone. <laughs> the I mean, number I'm guessing of guys, that includes, including like steroids and any other yes, enhances. Yeah. Yes, all yeah. all hormonal influx of testosterone is going to kill sperm. So get rid of that. Sorry, Doctor. Um, wh- mm-hmm. Why is that? Is that just because it's an? Is it's too much? Um, well, so there, guys have hormones too, <laughs> and. There is FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone. Both men and women have it. For women, that hormone is telling the body to produce follicles. For men, that's telling the testes to produce sperm. When you have enough sperm, testosterone loops back to the brain. For women, it's estrogen. It loops back to the brain and tells the brain, we're good. We've got everything we need. Because that loop is driven by testosterone, when men have too much of it, it basically causes that hormone signal to shut down and no more sperm is being produced. So anytime you have, and this would be the same for estrogen, like women don't thankfully take estrogen as a thing, but let's suppose that a woman was only drinking water out of plastic bottles, which releases BPA that mimics estrogen, that same feedback loop would happen and tell the brain to shut down the production of follicles. So whether those follicles are eggs or sperm, that feedback loop is happening to the brain. And when it comes outside of that natural production, sorry, you just shut down a system you didn't mean to shut down. Yep. So that's what testosterone is (laughs) doing. Cigarettes, get rid of them, please. Um, I I feel like we all know that cigarettes are bad. And vaping, because people people in Australia vape more than smoke cigarettes these days. It's the same. So it's really like all the research out is on nicotine. Um, It negatively affects sperm quality as well as egg quality. So whether you're male or female, it's negatively affecting fertility. And it's probably the one thing that I think is like globally negative for all health issues, right? There's about there's about 700 articles just on nicotine and some impact to fertility. There's probably like 20,000 articles on nicotine and some sort of negative health impact. So it's probably like the worst thing on our planet, <laughs> greater than alcohol, marijuana. You can put those things together and still not have as much negative out of it. And then alcohol and marijuana would be next on my list. They're not great. They're okay in small amounts, probably okay. Their impact is more reversible than nicotine. So take that with whatever you can and my approach would be to avoid as much as you can, but obviously I get it. Like <laughs> when I was when I was younger, I probably had my share of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's it, you know like 
do what you can and then make up for what you can't by preparing your body when you're ready to have it before you're ready to have a child. So I feel like, you know, by the time people get married, usually they're going to get married before having a kid. That's not always true. That's a very generalized statement. But if you plan for your wedding for nine months, you should at least plan for a baby for nine months. Right. So like put in the effort that you would do for planning a wedding into creating a healthy environment for a child. Okay. Um, so, so that's a, that's yeah. a good point as well, uh, Dr. Rome. So the, the, the sort of lag time. So if you're wanting to um, have a child, you mentioned all those things that we shouldn't be doing. And you mentioned obviously as well, um, various things that can reduce uh, fertility in other ways. Like we talked about stress, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say if you were to, to start really in a disciplined way bringing in these habits, when would you do that in preparation for having a child? That's a good question. I think I would try to give at least six months. That's very spacious. A year is like, oh, my God, you guys are rock stars, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the minimum, bare minimum is four months because it takes three to four months for egg and sperm to shift quality. So it's going to be at least a minimum of three to four months. Okay. Um, and anything else that, that us gents yeah. shouldn't be doing? <laughs> oh, um, that was it. That was it. That was, that was it? like, okay. yeah, there's not a ton, but I think that those are probably my main ones. I've, I've mentioned the plastic bottles a few times yeah. I think a lot of times, like, it's become normal for our culture to just um, drink stuff out of plastic and consume everything has is in plastic. So as much as you can, avoiding that in the younger years really protects your fertility for longer. Uh, men why, is, or women. why is that? Why is that? What's the what's um, plastic got in it? Yeah, so most of it is BPA, bisphenol something bisphenol a bisphenol s there's a whole bunch of them and all of them mimic estrogen so for men estrogen is really not a good thing they have some but in general it's not something we want to promote because it will like give man boobs along with affecting sperm and all mm. kinds of things for women it's disrupting all of the hormone balance so it increases PMS, PMDD, the possibility of endometriosis, PCOS. Like there's a whole bunch of hormonal imbalances that also negatively affect fertility. But just along the way, probably just having a negative experience of your menstrual cycle because of the consumption of things in plastic. Okay. So, Yeah. Um, from the female side, so I know I like kind of rammed it on the guys, but I am really. Hey, I think we like, need it. We need it. Uh, like I don't think there's enough conversations happening in the male space, so I'm just really excited to be able to share this in a way that's like, oh, there is something I can do that I should probably do, even if I'm not ready to have a kid yet. It's just things I can do. It's probably gonna yeah. help your health. It's probably like going to help you live longer, less chances of cancer, like just overall benefits. So, yeah, 
for the ladies, um, there are a few key things that I think are easy to do, similar to the guys. Um, one is to switch out your health and beauty aids to more natural versions. And I am happy to share this. I don't think we sent this to you ahead of time, but we have a thing called the Divas Detox Guide, which can teach you like how to read ingredient labels so that you're able to eliminate the crap that you don't need. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll put that in the average, show notes. We'll put that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, the average woman walks out of the house with 112 or something like that, like some some number over 100 toxins slathered onto her skin. And the skin is the biggest organ that absorbs everything. So if you wouldn't eat it, you probably shouldn't put it on your body. Um, <laughs> Good rule to live by. Yeah. Then the second thing that women could do well in advance of getting ready for pregnancy is getting rid of pads and tampons. And I know this is like mostly a guy podcast, but... Pads and tampons, like you guys tell your girlfriends, can you use something besides pads and tampons? Those are made out of cotton, which is vastly sprayed with something called Roundup or glyphosate. Glyphosate basically murders our vaginal microbiome. So you put into your reproductive system the one thing that's going to like create chaos. I have had... I would say thousands of women who write to me and are like, I switched out pads and tampons and my pain went away. Like, I have better menstrual cycles. I don't have PMS. I have better hormones. Like, crazy what we do to our bodies without knowing that we're doing it, right? Like, nobody told us. <laughs> so switch that crap out. You can do organic pads and tampons. Those are relatively okay. And then I'm more into the reusable stuff like cloth, pads, menstrual cups, things like that, that are also more sustainable for our planet, but have less of an impact on our bodies. Yep. So those are the things for the ladies that are lady specific. <laughs> and then in general, I think both parties can eat like good food, right? The less processed, the better. Eat more fruits and vegetables more vegetables than fruit even like this whole idea that we should just be consuming eight servings of fruits and vegetables it's more like seven servings of vegetables and one serving of fruit that's kind of where i would you can do a little bit more than one but in general like way more ratio towards vegetables than fruit and why is that oh so your fruits are going to be kind of your antioxidants so yep. That's great. And we need antioxidants. Vegetables actually are higher in minerals and also have antioxidants, but they they have like key vital nutrients that our body needs. So antioxidants are great. They like basically this idea that they are going to take all these radicals or free free radicals in your system that create inflammation create toxicity, create disease in general, um, antioxidants kind of go and bind those things up and pull them out of the body. However, vegetables have the antioxidants plus 
a whole like array of minerals that you're not getting from other things, vitamins and minerals. So you, basically you get more bang for your buck from vegetables. The other side of it is fruit, overconsumption of fruit. This is not all fruit, but overconsumption, like eating way too much of it is likely to potentially like dysregulate your blood sugar, which then is going to have other hormonal impacts. So people that eat lots of fruit often have hormonal dysregulation and blood sugar issues, as well as feeding microbes in our gut that we don't really want, which then cause more malabsorption. So that's a really long answer, but that helps to like, you know, get a sense of what you can shift away from. And um, yeah, it's not as fun. It's not as fun to eat kale versus, I don't know, watermelon, but you'll get a lot more benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I have one other tip, which is to optimize sleep. And I think this is probably where I failed massively as a younger person was I don't think like I didn't sleep very much in medical school. And that pro like probably continued for 10 years. Um, so really thinking about the circadian rhythm, the sleep wake cycles as the core ability for your body to rejuvenate and repair itself so all of the damage that you do could be okay if your body actually was able to do its repair cycle and when you get into like if you saw me in college I'd be out till five in the morning dancing and it was literally like traumatic to my circadian rhythm. So by the time I got to 30, 35, it's like, oh, I can't sleep. Why can't I sleep? I'm always like, <laughs> you know, like really setting that rhythm early because even though you don't feel it as a younger person, you're, it's depleting your resources, right? So if we think about that replenishment as the time that your body needs to do all the repair and to keep you vital and fertile for longer, you're really like enhancing or enabling your fertility to later in life just by sleeping at an optimal time and getting good restful sleep. Yeah, that's interesting you, you say that, Dr. Ohm, because we actually did do, I did a podcast um, or a couple of podcasts ago, literally on sleep. So um, and the circadian rhythm came up many times and hormones came up many times. So it's interesting with the message that you're conveying. It's very consistent. Okay, Dr. Ohm, where can people find you? What's the best place people can go to find more about you and your services? Yeah. So our website is holisticfertilityinstitute.com and we're pretty accessible on Instagram. So it's holisticfertilitydoctor on Instagram. Fantastic. And we'll add those to the show notes, guys. And uh, we'll just pause there and we're going to come back for episode two. Um, so that'll be released a couple of weeks after this episode. Thanks for listening to the Holistic You podcast, where we inspire you with the confidence to live a happy, 
healthy, and more balanced life. If you found today's content meaningful, please tag me in your stories or posts or follow me on Instagram. Like and subscribe and leave a five-star written review.